and we're going to be in verses 6 through 9 today. We, uh, next week, we'll take a pause for a minute. We're going to, so next week, here's what I want you to do. First of all, we're going to be doing VBS. The kids will be doing the songs they learn and some th different things on Sunday morning in our Sunday morning service, and I'll be preaching, and the theme will be connected with the VBS thing about we are wonderfully and, 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 and fearfully made in creation, and we're looking at that with the kids this week. And then right after, you don't have to worry about lunch because we're in the uh, gym. We're going to have a bunch of games and different things for the kids, and there'll be hot dogs and different things for us to eat for lunch. So what I want you to do is, one, invite people to VBS, but even if they're not VBS age, invite them next Sunday. It'll be a good time for after the service that we can fellowship and get to know people. So just be ready for that, that uh, you got your lunch plans and invite some people and we're going to have a good time in the service next week, and then we'll have a good time of fellowship afterwards in the gym. All right, so I entitled this sermon, The Sleepy Christianity. And so the older I get, I did youth ministry for 15 years, and I would have retired and had no issue with that. That's why you got some craziness a lot of times is because, you know, i got to keep us awake or whatever. But what I found, um, youth ministry and lock-ins, and age. Youth ministry, lock-ins, age. And there becomes a point where the lock-ins I started doing in youth ministry later on were like, yeah, we're ending about midnight, or we're ending at like one. And the reason is, is here's what's happened also. The youth don't want to admit it, but they start getting gripey too early in the morning. So why do I want to be dealing with your gripiness and my sleepiness? And so anyway, so, you know, it seems like the older you get and when you have to stay up, like I woke up at 3 this morning. I don't know why. Maybe it's some cereal that I had or I don't know. But what God's taught me, I'm not always really spiritual. When I wake up in the middle of the night, maybe I need to pray for somebody. And so I do that. But still, I was up for a while. So anyway. But I find any time I have to stay up that it takes me about three days to recover, <laughs> okay, you know. And so now we're going to go back. When I was a youth minister here um, 30 years ago, we went on a mission trip uh, to uh, Mexico, and Dan and Julie went, and some of you went, and that RV, Dan and Julie, and we put cereal in that RV to take down to Mexico, and we're on the highway, and there's cereal just flying down the highway. <laughs> You know, hey, hey, Dan, breaker one nine, Dan, your Kellogg's is loose, okay, or whatever. So on the way, <laughs> that's not code either. All right, so on the way back, I guess we were driving through, and boy, that old Dodge, I don't know if it's the same Dodge van when I came back here as pastor, but, well, they had these Dodge vans, and I remember, man, the deacons were all ready. If that thing breaks down, we're going to Texas, and we'll help you, and it did break down, and they came, and I don't know what they did, but anyway, so... We're driving back. It's in the middle of the night. I think Dan's driving, obviously, his RV, and Julie's sleeping in the back. I don't know, whatever. Okay, and so we had radios between the van and all this kind of stuff. And, and so Desiree, okay, Desiree, you know, Lynn's daughter was in our youth group, and she had this solution for staying awake. I don't know if you remember the solution, did. Okay. <laughs> I haven't really tried it. We all have different things for staying awake. Here's my solution. Go to sleep. Okay, take a nap. Okay, but she said if you drink hot Dr. Pepper, it'll keep you up. 
I don't know if it will or not. I'll just give that to you. You try it all you want. Okay, I don't know. But we've all tried different things to keep us up. Some of you can drink coffee all day long. It doesn't affect you. I'm a 6 o'clock at p.m. that I better stop drinking coffee. I don't drink it all day, but I drink a lot in the morning. Um, but we all look for ways to stay awake. Um, now let's go to society. Let's go to things we're dealing with today. And let's be honest, it's a lot easier to not be awake on what's going on in our society today. But we need to be like Mordecai and Esther that said, perhaps you're here for such a time as this. We are not here as Christians to be asleep. We are to be awake. And we are to be aware. And so we're going to look at that today. And we can choose to walk with God. And we can choose uh, to uh, stay alert. Or we can choose, we've got two choices, fall asleep to Satan's schemes. Satan has schemes. And a verse to help you with that is John 10.10. 10. The thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy, but God comes to give you life and to give you abundantly. And so I need you to be aware, if you're a believer, that we are in a spiritual warfare, that demons are real, that angels are real, that you need to understand your theology about spiritual warfare based on the Bible, not TV or movies. Because I'm not against shows, but a lot of shows give the devil more power than he has, or takes you down a path that the Bible doesn't go. And so we're going to look at today, uh, just as Christ, when he was in the garden before he was getting crucified, and he kept going back and asking the disciples to watch him pray, and they kept falling asleep. We need to ask the question today, am I falling asleep in my society today and in my Christian walk? Or am I staying awake in God's grace? Okay. Your action step today is stay awake, hopefully through this sermon. You can listen to my sermons at night to go to bed, all right, whatever you want to do, okay? And this webcam that's pointed to you guys shows everybody online who's sleeping. No, it's not. You wouldn't care anyway, and there's no webcam, okay? I tried that before. It just doesn't go anywhere. Okay, so you need to stay awake. You need to live an alert life for Christ, okay? So... Your points are going to spell out the word stay, S-T-A-Y. And so last week we talked about yielding to grace and, and why do we need grace? Because Peter says in the this second of three commandments we're going to look at, he calls us to submit ourselves, to humble ourselves, and to stay awake. And so what we're going to look at today is how do we do that? And so that brings us to 1 Peter chapter 5, verses 6 through 9. Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, so that at the proper time he may exalt you, casting all your anxieties on him because he cares for you. Be sober-minded, be watchful. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour. Resist him, firm in your faith, knowing that the same kinds of suffering are being experienced by your brotherhood throughout the world. So I'm giving your, I'm going to mess you up. Because Dennis has messed me up this year when I came back. He, he's, he's using the whole, you can't ever figure out Dennis. You'll have to ask him about that. But I'm going to give you the point first, okay, so you can go to sleep maybe. Staying awake starts when we submit to him. When we submit to him. When we humble ourselves. So let's go back to verse 6. Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God. Humble means literally to put yourself under. 
It's, and, it, and what it's saying is to be humble. It's a consistent, continual state of humility. And as I said it last week, it was talking about humility. We need to look at the worker, and a worker will put on an apron. And this is what it was talking about in the Greek. We need to put on humility every day. And like Rick Warren said in, in his book, The Purpose Driven Life, guess what? It's not about you, and it's not about me. It's about God. So we need to have, be continually putting on humility. It's not about me. The only way we can, can truly be humble is if we put ourselves under the mighty hand of God. A lot of us, there's a lot of false humility. I think there's a lot of false humility in the American church. And I've talked about it before, but it's like, don't look at me, but look at me. In other words, don't look at me while I serve, but I want you to realize I am serving. Don't look at me while I give, but I want you to know I gave. And I am, I'm not against, totally against plaques. I would have to look if there's plaques around here. I'm not anti-plaque. I'm not talking about teeth, okay? But literally, I have served in churches in my youth minister building, my building, I didn't have a building, in my youth minister office, it's like there was a literal plaque on each window, and they weren't stained glass. Okay, you got to have stained glass when you put a plaque on it. I'm just saying that's my standards, but no, I'm just teasing. But there's nothing wrong with honoring people. But I also was in places where they had plaques on the pew, and if a visitor came, that family, this is our pew, and it's like, hey, let me show you another pew, okay, all right, as you go out the door, okay? No, sorry, whose church is it? Yeah, it's not mine, it's not yours. Again, there's nothing wrong with honoring people, but what we understand, but we, but that false humility. Don't look at me, but I want you to know that I did it, and we all suffer from that, because a lot of times it's like somebody else gets credit. It's like really, but let's go back to it. Did I put the apron of humility on? Who's it about? Are you going to be like what Rich Mullins said? We need to be an arrow pointing to God. And so we kind of constantly got to put that apron on. We got to have. We got to continue to be, and. The only way we can really be humble is I'm going to do it for you, God. I'm not going to do it for recognition. I'm not going to do it for anybody else. I'm putting myself under your authority. And when we submit and we, we wait, we see God's mighty hand of deliverance. Humble yourself in the sight of the Lord, and guess what James says? And he will lift you up. You try to humble yourself without putting yourself under God and saying, I'm going to do what you want it doesn't matter about me, it's not going to work. Because after a while, you're going to be like, I want to be noticed. Because the sin is self. And so when we talk about, so we're putting on the apron, and we're saying, I'm going to be under your authority, God. That also includes suffering. We don't like that. Especially in the American church, because we're not going to suffer. We're Americans. The whole rest of the world suffers, and we help them. Helps them. Helps them. Okay, whatever. <laughs> stuck, stuck. Okay. Okay. Um, but that's the three in the morning talking to you. But so, but in the American church, we, we struggle with that. It's like, I'm not supposed to suffer, but guess what's happening, Christians? If we stand for God and stand on God's side, there is a sifting in the American church and the church worldwide. Because either you're going to be under God's authority and say, I believe his whole word and what it says, or you're going to go with the crowd and we need to know the truth. So let's look at the last part of that, verse 6. At the proper time, he will exalt you. So 
one, part of God's humility is that we suffer. And he doesn't do it like, I'm going to make you suffer. It's like if you associate yourself with me and you walk with me, Christ suffered. So where do we get an excuse not to? But at the proper time, the season, the opportunity, God will lift us up. Sometimes that happens here, but most of the time not. We're waiting for eternity. And again, we talked about crowns. We're just going to lay our crowns at his feet. But the only thing I want to hear is there's my friend. There's Russell. I know him. Not because he was a pastor or educated or anything like that. Because we had a relationship. James 4.10, like I mentioned, says, Humble yourself before God and he will exalt you. So, so you, you break this down. First thing you got to do is put on that apron of humility. Be under God's authority and know that someday everything will be made right. Truly, hum, truly humble believers need to accept life struggles as part of God's plan. Allow God to control the time and the tempo. How are you doing with that? When you suffer, I'm a whiner. And I want cheese with it. Okay, whatever, you know. But the thing about it is, it's like, but guess what? You can whine to God and there'll be a point that he'll say, be quiet. Because we're focusing on the thorn. We're focusing on the suffering. And we've got to realize, did God know you were going to have that day? Yes. Truly humble believers need to accept life struggles as part of God's plan and allow God to control the timing of it and the tempo. Not making light of anything you're going through. We're here to help each other and pray for each other and to seek God. Paul asked uh, God three times to take the thorn of flesh away, and he didn't. But then we get 2 2 Corinthians 12, 9. He said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for power is perfected in weakness. Therefore, I will boast in my weakness of the power of God. Christ might grow in me. And so we need to understand that. We need to turn over our troubles and our worries, continue to God, and let him make it right in his time. See, I want you to understand, so many times we think we're one and done. But we're walking through life. And life continues to change. And this is why we need to be in the season in prayer that you continue to talk to God and say, God, this is bothering me, or help me with this. And we need to keep doing that. So your next fill-in, we do this when we trust him. Cast your cares on him. We do this when we trust him. 1 Peter 5, 7. A lot of you have it memorized. We've talked about it a lot. Casting all your anxieties. I've learned cares or worries on him because he cares on you. That casting means to throw upon. It's active, not passive or partial. So you need to continually put on humility, be under God's authority, and when these troubles hit and these trials hit, you need to be chucking it on God. And it's not a rod and reel, because I'm that kind of person. Oh God, I want you to take care of this. Worried about it again. God, I want you to take care of this. Worried about it again. Cut the line. Chuck it on God. Throw it upon him. How much? All. All our anxieties, all our cares. And and because he cares for us, and let God take care of your cares through prayer, giving it to him. And then what you need to do, and I talk about this all the time, we'll probably do a series on it sometime, but Philippians 4, verses 6 through 9 is the solution. Once you give it to God, you need to think on other things. 
You need to replace it with other things. You need to focus on other things. Because I don't know if you're like me, but I just like to sit there and stew in my worry. You need to chuck it. Whatsoever is pure, whatsoever is lovely, whatsoever, all those things. Think on these things. You need to make your list. You need to focus on other things. So cast all your anxieties, your worries on him. And we do this through prayer. And we do this through scripture. Why? Because he cares. He takes care of us. You know, I don't got many hairs left, but he knows how many I got. And if he takes care of the birds and if he takes care of the flowers, guess what he says in Matthew? How much more will he take care of us? So God cares enough to carry our cares all the way to the cross. So the psalmist said this well in Psalms 40:17. As for me, I am poor and needy, but the Lord takes thought of me. You are my help and my deliverer. Do not delay, O oh my God. In Psalms 55, 22, cast your burden on the Lord and he will sustain you and he will never permit the righteous to be moved. I want, that's Psalms 55, 22. You might want to write that down because when we get to Ephesians 6 later in the sermon, he tells us to stand and I can't stand on my own. I will fall and I will fold instantly. I love what Psalms 55, 22 says. He will never permit the righteous to be moved. Christ said it well in Matthew 6, 25. Therefore I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat after the sermon today, or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. It's not, is not life more than food and the body more than clothing. But especially in these times of high prices, we're thinking about stuff. All you've, it's kind of interesting. I can't find my cheap Walmart chips anymore. I've been doing cheap Walmart chips my whole life, but now everybody figured out Walmart chips are cheap, okay? Because when I, the past two times I've gone to get my plain Walmart potato chips, guess what? They're not there, and you're making me buy full price, and I don't like that, okay? All right, but <laughs> you know what? If I got, I guess I'll go without chips or whatever, not really, but, uh, but the thing about it is so many times, and especially in these times, we worry, and these are concerning times, but does God not take care of the, the birds, the flowers? I think Philippians 4.19, we need to decide the difference between a want and a need because he says, my God will provide all my needs according to his riches in Christ Jesus. So let God have all your cares and your troubles because he really cares. We submit, ourselves, uh, we submit ourselves, we humble ourselves to God's loving care and protection when we, uh, we uh, cast all worry. Let's think about this all definition. All our discontentment. Nobody here is discontented. All of our discouragement. Nobody here is discouraged. All of our despair, nobody here is in despair, okay? All of our questioning, our society is hugely questioning everything now. And those of us that have come to that point and realized where we're not going to be moved in what we believe, we're having to have those conversations with people, and that's okay, because this is our time. All our pain, all our suffering, all our trials that come our way, we need to chuck them on God and not reel him back in. Why do we need to submit your next feeling, everything to God? Because of our adversary. We need to be alert for him. 
And, I, I, and see, Dan Julie always correct me, and I was going to see she corrected that and put a capital H. It's not your fault, but I wanted a lower H because I'm not talking about God. And I did put a lower H in that text, but I'm not picking because I got good people. It was a test. It was a test. Okay, and you failed. Okay, but anyway, no, I'm just teasing. Why is that a little h? Why should that be a little h? Because am I talking about God? Who am I talking about? There you go. But he thinks he's a big h. Well, because that's where he got knocked down. We need to be alert. We need to watch out for Satan's schemes. Look at verse 8. Be sober-minded. I'm not mad at them. These people are phenomenal. I was just, it was my passive-aggressive way of testing them. Okay, so 1 Peter 5.8. Be sober-minded. Be watchful. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking someone to, desire, to devour. Sober-minded. That means to watch, to be circumspect. That means to be aware. All right? That's your spiritual peripheral vision. That doesn't mean you're in conspiracy theory, but you need to understand the, the devil is not passive. Now, I want you to understand this. The devil is not God. He wants you to think he's God. He's not omnipresent. He can't be everywhere at once. He can't read your thoughts, but I guess, guess what? He's been around a long time. He knows your family's generational sin, He's, and he has a limited amount of demons that fell from heaven that are here on the earth, but he'll take credit for stuff he's not doing. But we need to understand this, that we need to watch out for his schemes. And I, I want to say I'm a naturally trusting person, okay? But we need to understand, he wants to still kill and destroy. You may be saved, so he wants to destroy your witness. You may be saved. He wants to have you live in fear so you don't go and share the gospel with other people or that you, don't, or that you merely survive, survive this life instead of thrive. Don't you think in the times that we're dealing with right now that they need to see someone that has something more in these depressing times? And they'll ask the question, what is different about you or why are you handling this different? And it's not that it makes you any more happy because you don't have your chips but it's the fact of the chips don't matter. Sober-minded, we need to watch. We need to be self-controlled. See, we're now in times, and guys, this is what it was with the first century Christians. Anything goes. And it's all the time. And it's out there right in front of you and your kids. And we need to be self-controlled on the things we watch, not against social media. These are, these are neutral tools. But we need to be in control of the things we put in our minds and our eyes and that we allow our kids and our grandkids and we need to be self-controlled in that instead of, oh, they'll figure it out. No. We need to be watchful, he says. That means uh, vigilant. That means discipline. That means we need to be actively, and again, we're not doing it in fear. We're not doing it that we have to control it. We need to watch out. Stay alert to Satan's schemes. Pay attention. Um, 2 Timothy uh, 2, 3, and 4 talks about a good soldier doesn't pay attention to anything that's going around him but to his military leader, and that's Jesus Christ. And so Matthew 24, 41 says this, what Jesus was telling the disciples, Therefore stay awake, for you do not know on what day your Lord is coming back. He can come back today. You know what? I know we've got VBS planned, but that's going to be a lot better if he comes back. And BBS will be great if he doesn't, okay? But we need to be awake. 
This is the urgency. If you know Christ as Savior, you're not, oh, I gotta, I gotta stay awake so I can stay saved. When you're saved, you're saved. But we need to stay awake because guess what? There's a lot of lost people where we were before that don't know it, and we need to have the urgency to have conversations. So I was in Walmart, didn't have my chips, so I'm going down to get my ice cream, okay? And, and so I'm in the ice cream line, and it's just me and this old lady, okay? We're not dating or anything. She's over here, okay? And so I'm going this way. She's going this way. And we kind of pass. And again, I'm off duty as pastor, so don't talk to me, okay? No, I'm just teasing So she passes, and she's just pausing. Because many of you ever watch people in Walmart now? It's like they're taking time. Can I get a loan for this? What's the interest on getting this? Okay, whatever. All right. So, <laughs> oh, it's hilarious. So she's passing me. She stopped, and she's looking in the frozen seconds. She doesn't have much in her cart. And she goes, it's just cheaper to die. <laughs> I, I was just dying inside. That, that is hilarious. It's sad. But I didn't know she was serious, okay? So I said, well, you know, if you got Jesus, that's it. Oh, she goes, I got Jesus. Yeah, <laughs> you know, but it's like, uh, so I went back and told Heather, and I'm telling you, it's like, that was hilarious, okay? But, you know, think about the lost and Satan's schemes. Still kill, destroy. And the fact that he wants to keep you from being a witness. I didn't know she was serious or not, but I wanted to lead her to Jesus. And I wasn't like, hey, let's have a church service. But I wanted to point her that, yeah, this is rough, but there's hope. But that just crapped me up. I was just like, wow, it's cheaper to die. Okay, and then get your chips. Okay, therefore, uh, we, the reality is it's we're at war. We're at spiritual war, and our adversary, our opponent, our legal, that's a term for legal kind of en enemy, is serious. He's aggressive, and he's hostile. And that word adversary means slanderer. And what is happening to Christians today? They're being slandered. But they've always been slandered. We hate everybody and we're against everything. Now we love people and we need to tell the truth. And you may be focusing on what God says, but your real problem is your sin nature that we had. And so he's our adversary. Our struggle is against, according to Ephesians 6.11, our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rules, against the powers, against the spiritual uh, darkness in heavenly places. See, I want, I want you to really catch this, because most of the time, whether it's in church or outside of church, we think our enemy is that person we're dealing with. Now, they make their choices, and you make your choices, and when God tells you you're wrong, you need to seek forgiveness, and you need to seek forgiveness with that person. But I want you, if you do not get this down, one, we're at war, so be alert. The, the, the war is over. We're dealing with skirmishes behind enemy lines. We're going around telling people the war is over, and, and, and Christ won. And you can be a part of his army. But what I want you to understand, so many times we're viewing each other as enemies. And that's why I had to learn Ephesians 6, 11. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood. It is the devil. And it's not a Flip Wilson thing. The devil made me do it. The devil may have tipped you, but you made the choice. But see how the devil wants us to fight each other? Now, we can have a Paul and Barnabas situation. We can have an Abraham and Lot situation where, hey, we're all believers, but we need to part ways. But we're still believers in, in Christ. 
Our struggle is against the devil, the false accuser. And guess what he does? He prowls around like a lion. Now, a lot of you will Google this, and you'll prove me wrong. This is my basic Lion King understanding, okay? All right? But we know that the female lions do the hunting, all right? But the male lion pushes the prey into the female lions. So Satan is going around roaring. Oh, I hear a roar, so I'm going to go this way. And guess what? Hi, lunch. Okay? And I could be wrong, and if I am, that was a good story. Okay? But <laughs> uh, what did we do before Google? We can get away with so much more. Okay, but anyway. But it's not that the devil's not powerful, but guys, if he doesn't have to do anything, and you can just fear him from what he says or whatever. He's going around roaring and leading us into situations away from God. 2 Timothy 1.7 says, For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. And so what we need to understand, he's going around. You need to ask the question, what's he, what's he roaring at me about? What am I, why am I not deafening it out with God's word and being focused on it? So he's prowling around like a roaring lion. Job 1.7 shows us that you know, Satan goes around the earth seeking who he can either keep from God or to, to run their witness in some way. Seeking someone, desiring someone to swallow up, to gulp up. Still, kill, destroy. Cold water. Wake up. Be aware. Not fear. God wins. And if you know Christ, what the scripture I shared, we're not going to be moved. But we need to be aware. Because Satan will put you on the bench, keep you in fear, making you feel sorry for yourself. And I'm not making fun of you. I live there. But we need to be aware. So how does Satan devour... Uh, how, do, how does he get us to fall asleep? He attacks us directly. You know? Just you know, directly, maybe physically or spiritually things. Or man, he attacks our family, either physically or spiritually. Hmm, he never attacks the church, does he? Yeah. Through lust, and it's kind of interesting, one of the commentaries, you know, on murder, and it wasn't just talking about physical murder, because Jesus said if you hate someone in your heart, you've murdered them. Well, I don't hate anybody in your church. Well, I'll be honest with you. There's been a few people as 30 years of pastor I don't like. <laughs> and I'm sure there's a few people who don't like me. I don't hate them. I need to love them. And they're part of my family, but I'm glad I'm, we're doing a Paul and Barnabas situation. <laughs> you know, you're over here and I'm over here and we both love Jesus. You know, kind of thing. Um, rejecting the truth. He... The people, we've got a huge population of the de-churched. And you've got to go to Hebrews where he says, don't forsake the assembling yourselves together even more as you see the day approaching. Guess what? Somebody's pressed on the gas because I think today's approaching pretty quick. So I think we need to be meeting more, not just this kind of meeting, but in Bible study and fellowship and all those things. But to those that are Christians that are not part of the church, I'm not trying to get on to you. And COVID is not helping. The American church has lost 20% across the board. Through COVID, not because they died, they were on their way out, and it kind of helped them go, hey, I can be at church at home. I'm glad we were able to do those things, but I'm going to be honest, right now, 
may not be here, may be somewhere else, you need to get in church. I'm not saying it, I'm preaching to the choir here. What do you do with Hebrews that says, do not forsake the assembling yourselves together even more as you see the day approaching? Why? So you can check off your box. Some of you are old enough to remember those offering, uh, offering envelopes. They had 50 checks on there, and I'm OCD. Did you bring your Bible? Did you go to Sunday school? Did you brush your teeth? Did you comb your hair? Did you put deodorant on? You know, and then at the end you get like 50 stars, and then I think you get a coupon book to SNH. Okay, whatever. I don't know, but here's see. I know there's a new game show on. It's called uh, Generation Gap. You should watch it because they take old people and young people and they show them opposite things. Like I don't know what this is. Okay, but, so some of the things I'm talking to you about, you don't know what it is, and some of you do. But we need to. <laughs> we need each other because this is how Satan works. He does it with pastors. He does it with, he isolates and elevates. He loves to isolate. So you're by yourself, you hear him roaring, and you don't have your brothers and sisters in Christ to pray for you, to help you carry your burdens, and to tell you when, no, that's, that's a lie, this is truth. We need each other because we're a family. And so he isolates. So how can we do this? How can we live this life if we've got this enemy that it, it, on our best day will crush us Look at verse, uh, 1 Peter verse 9. Resist him, firm in your faith, knowing that the same kinds of suffering are being experienced by your brotherhood throughout the war. Resist, withstand, stand against. He did, notice he said firm, strong, immovable in our faith. James 4, 7. Here is the formula you need to mark down, James 4, 7. Some of you have it memorized. Submit yourselves, therefore, to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. First part, we talked about submitting. Put the Abram of humility on. Say, God, it's not about me. I'm going to do whatever you want. And if suffering is part of your will, I'm going to be honest, God, I don't like it. I don't want it, but you're here with me. Submit to God. Resist. We need to talk about that here in a minute. To, uh, be steadfast in your faith and give God the, uh, the strength. Um, we need to see a lot of us are like, oh, you know, I'm hearing the devil roaring and I can't handle it and I've submitted to God, but I'm not going to resist the temptation, all right? the temptation of fear, the temptation to run. And Joseph ran and he was riding and running. Okay? But 1 Corinthians 10, 13 says, No temptation has overcome you, but such is uh, common to man. And with every temptation, you have to take the way to escape. A lot of us don't do that. Um, I submitted to you, God, but I didn't resist. I submitted to you, God, but when that came on TV, I didn't change the channel. I submitted to you, God, but when that kept coming up in my feed, I didn't get off that social media or I didn't change the parameters on my social media so I don't see that junk. Submit, therefore, to God, resist the devil, and he will flee. That is your action step today on how you stay awake, is that you need to humble yourself to God. You need to say, no, I'm not going to do that. You may need to run, but you need to get out of there, and you don't need to live in that temptation. So, but... We need to take our stand. We need to be steadfast in our faith. We need to trust God to give us the strength to overcome. What I said in Psalms, He will not permit the righteous to be moved. Now I'm going to geek out for you. Lord of the Rings. We have Gandalf. 
and Gandalf is the leader of the group. And they're facing, just sleep for a minute, and some of you enjoy it, okay? They're facing the Balrog. And the Balrog is a demon in that story or whatever. There's a great chasm, and, and he's wanting to cross over to the party, and Gandalf stands between him and everybody else, and he says, you shall not pass. That is when we walk with Jesus Christ, he's before us. Stand there for when you, and when all you can do, Ephesians says, is stand. Guess what he says? Stand. And guess what I'm standing on? The solid rock of Jesus Christ. And you know what? There's been some crazy people. It's like, oh, let's go exercise demons or whatever. Let's go confront them. You know what? You go over there. I'm going this way. Okay? I remember a missionary friend, and they were in Africa. And guys, demons are real, but the reason why we don't see them as much here in America is because Satan would rather you not believe in the spiritual warfare than not. So he's fine with you believing in, in Jimmy the Wonder Pony and watching it, and it's a demon, okay? And they're not all over the place. But, but in other countries, they're more prevalent. And so this missionary was talking about this guy came over on a mission trip. Hey, let's go, let's go cast out some demons. You're 100% you're crazy. You know what? If, if I'm addressed with it and it happens, here's what's going to happen. In the name of Jesus and by the power of his blood, get out of here. Not because Russell has any power, but Jesus does. And then exit, again, stage left. Okay? So, but the thing about it is, is we need to, Jesus is in front of us, and when he's talking about standing, notice what I shared in, in Psalms. He will not permit the righteous to be moved, so stand. One of my favorite verses that has led my life, you, you, you have God telling the children of Israel, Pharaoh's coming to go to the Red Sea, and then he tells them to turn around and go this way towards Pharaoh, and Pharaoh's like, they don't know where they're going. They're just stalled. And then you get to Exodus 14, 14. You have only to be silent, and the Lord will fight for you. Just stand there. Stand on the promises. Stand in his power and let Jesus. So your last feeling, stay, stay awake means we yield no ground. Now some of you be like, I'm not going to yield no ground in this conversation. Come on, get real. Do everything with gentleness and peace. But you know the things we're dealing with right now, I'm not trying to make light of things people are struggling with, but God is clear about gender. God is clear about marriage. God is clear about life. And I'm going to love people. I'm not going to fight them. But guess what? Jesus, you're right there. I'm going to stand right behind you. I love these people that are struggling with this. I want, I want to have conversations. I don't want to hurt them. But we can't yield ground on this stuff, guys. Because his word doesn't change. And I don't have authority to change it. And so yield no ground. Stand. Are we alone in this? No, because of who we know. Look at the last part. Knowing that the same kinds of suffering are being experienced by your brotherhood throughout the world. We need to be comforted that other people are suffering. Yeah, in America, we're starting to suffer a little bit. If we stand for God, if we stand for what's right, and we love people, but guess what? This is why if you're not part of Voice of the Martyrs, VOM, you may listen to podcasts. That they will give you a free newsletter. We're going to go visit them. They're over in Bartlesville. Great organization. But they report on people suffering for their faith all around the world. And that's why I learned a long time ago, 1 Corinthians 13, 13. Remember the prisoners and those who are ill-treated, since you yourself are also in the body. We need to understand, we may be suffering, but guess what? 
How are our brothers and sisters doing in Afghanistan? A lot of them are dead. And I'm not making light of that. How are our brothers and sisters doing in other places? We need to understand that other people are suffering and that, that we need to, uh, that are experiencing, they're part of the brotherhood. I remember a, a Christian that was from Cuba. And no offense, I like to go to Cuba in the sense of it's a beautiful place as far as the beaches and the ocean, but don't be full. This is not about being political. Cuba is not a free place, and Cuba does not like Christianity. And so this was when this Christian that was in Cuba was sharing. He goes, I'm a link in the chain, and I'm going to stand with God because I don't want to break that link in the chain of witnesses that Hebrews talks about, that great crowd of witnesses. So I want you to understand when you suffer, you're part of a brotherhood. We can stay awake because we are not alone. So question just like Jesus as we have a, get ready for a time of invitation I've got some questions for you today and they like putting the questions up here now so that's why my crew is good I, I got on to them today but that was my sadistic test okay but uh, let's look at some of the questions who are you submitting to well I submit to my spouse or I submit to my job those are good but if you're not submitting to God your marriage relationships, your friendships, your job relationships will get to the point where you'll say, uh-uh. Who are you submitting to? Another question I have for you, who are you trusting in? Trust in the Lord with all your heart and your mind and strength. And lean not in your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him and he will make your paths straight. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. And then the next one, how awake are you? Well, pastor, you did pretty good. I'm asleep. I'm just now waking up because I know it's lunchtime. Okay, but let's get real here. I've got to be really careful about this, but then there's part of me that doesn't care. If we're awake to God's word, we need to ask the question, do I need to mature as a Christian on some things and go with God's word instead of what culture says? And how awake are you that, Jesus, that Satan is going around to still kill and destroy, not just your lights, but those that you love? And then your last question. Have you yielded any ground? We're going to have a time of invitation here in a minute. This offering is open. I can talk to you, or you can pray, or if you want to know Christ. You can't do any of these things without a relationship with Jesus Christ. We'd love to help you with that. But I think most of us know Christ, but one, we're not putting the apron on, or we're not trusting in Him totally, or we're asleep at the will, not the band, okay? Or I gave up ground on life. I gave up ground on this. And God, I'm going to go with you, and I'm going to step back behind you where you say they're not going to pass, and I'm not going to be moved. Whatever you need to do today, come, lay it down, take up your cross, and go and stay awake. Let's stand to our feet as we have a time of invitation. Jesus, Holy Spirit, we know you're here today. We know that there's a lot of needs. And I just pray, dear Lord, whatever anybody needs to do is in obedience. I pray they do it today in your name, Jesus. Amen.